going. We have a Hi. special guest here in the building here joining me all the way from Canada who goes by the name of Patrick Cabongo here. Sports and Hip Hop with DJ Mad Max, Live 265, iHeartRadio. How's it going, Patrick? It's going great. Yo, thank you so much for saying my name really well, man. Oh, yeah, I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> like, as a Congolese person, they hear Cabongo. Sometimes people make the mistake, you're like Cabanga or Cabangi and stuff like that. So you said it, like, super perfect, man. Thank you so much. Uh, of course, man. I got to make sure to get that right. But how's everything going? How's your day going? How's this, the start of the summer going for you? I know you got a single drop in this Monday, Limelight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, everything's been going well. I had a chance to go back to Toronto, where I'm originally from, uh, to kind of partake in some of the Juno activities. And the Junos are... Um, a pretty huge celebratory moment for music and the music industry and music, I guess, um, the pivotal pioneers of, of music in our country. Uh, and it happened to be hosted in Toronto. And so it was nice to see a couple of my peers uh, win awards. Um, and it's just motivating, right? And then, you know, I got a chance to go back to my projects, spend some time with my family members, my friends. And then now I'm back here focusing on uh, getting this album done. I just got out the pool like an hour ago. And so I'm feeling really good, man. Feeling really good. That's good. I'm looking forward to the upcoming music. Is it your goal to eventually get to the Juno and win one for yourself? Absolutely. To be very honest, I'm, I'm extremely confident that I can get one next year. Um, I, I typically don't put out a lot of music. I, I, I like to sit down and, you know, I wouldn't say strategize, but more so work on the quality of the content and the work that I'm putting out. I find sometimes it's easy to feel the need to saturate the music market because um, you're kind of, you have that fear of being overlooked or uh, the fan base and the audience not really captivated by what you're putting out. But I, I'm very confident in my team. I'm very confident in like my God-given ability. And so I just want to keep making music. And now that I'm in album mode, um, now it's rolling out. Like now I'm out of hiatus and I'm, and I'm here to kind of just put more music out consistently. 98 degrees was one that was really put in your career on the map here early on did you think that was going to be the one to put you over the edge honestly i didn't <laughs> um because uh, the year before i had put out high end which is also a song on that project and it happened that that song was the song that kind of put me over the edge as well like, I, I got a tiktok um collaboration uh with that which was phenomenal for me to experience you know because a lot of artists when you're in hip-hop and rap um, to kind of have that equilibrium or to be on the same scale as pop artists and stuff, you usually want to go viral. And so I was happy that I had this very unique original song, which was very experimental for me as well at the time, um, to be, uh, I would say, like a benchmark for uh, a nationwide campaign for my country. You know, And I got to have my music played during the NBA finals um, and during the bubble uh, period. So I can say that I made it to the league indirectly, you know, so like for <laughs> just like the love that I got from my neighborhood and, and like the city was was really showing me a lot of love. It was also great that it was thanks to somebody that is really close to me, like Chantilly, who really um, opened the door for that opportunity to come across. And so I'm forever thankful to that. And I'm just now when 98 Degrees came out, I kind of told myself, you know what, I want to keep experimenting with that sound and I want to put out a project that's um Sound-wise, is very uh, different than my first EP that was Spadina, which was a lot more personal, um, more close to what I usually do. And then now I'm here with Limelight, which is a mix of both of those things, like a variation of sounds. And now with my album that I'm working on, I have a lot of records that I didn't think I'd feel confident putting out like maybe five to six years ago. And it's just turning into a great, a great journey. And now I really feel like I'm over the edge and a lot of people have been waiting for me to put out music. And so I, it's a right, perfect time for me to do so. 
the time is now summer's just beginning but something that is really important about the track is that you speak about which inspired you to make it was the whole push icy situation that yeah. was what really inspired you but also black identity within the industry as well once mm-hmm. you make it because not yeah. everyone understands the struggle and how that translates once you do get into the industry and you make mm-hmm. it yeah because the truth is a lot of the popular artists who happen to be um you know black that look like me the truth is they come from undermined communities, low income areas, and they only rap about what they know, right? And for years, we know that the industry has used that as a marketing ploy, um, which has captivated different audience, different demographics. And it's not to say that rappers back in the day didn't talk about that stuff, right? You could mm-hmm. look at movies during the hip hop era, you know, think of Juice and Above the Rim, all these different Man, things. They society. all have. Man, it's a society, exactly. Boys in the Hood. Um, like all these movies uh, are representation of that period, right? You think about the crack pandemic that came in. Um, you look at shows like Snowfall. These are all historical things that have occurred. But now um, black artists or, and I, I typically say black males because I find black females have a different battle to fight as well, which becomes more of a um, of an identity thing in terms of they feel like they're forced to be a certain way, to look a certain way, to dress a certain way, to be accepted and the whole sexualization of their identity. But for black males, um, I find that they've been easily marketed to kind of sell a certain image that is very prolific, and but it's what they know, it's what we know. And so when I saw the whole Pooh Shiesty situation, it was like, dang, another artist who couldn't get away from that street type uh, lifestyle, but that's what he knows. But he had such promise, you know? And unfortunately you'll have other artists like Pop Smoke who like pass away. Um, and then it's like that energy is just still there. So it's unfortunate that, yeah, we can glamorize this music, glamorize that lifestyle, but that limelight is, is always going to be on them, right? But no one ever actually talks about how detrimental or how, or how effect, like the effect that that has on people behind the scenes. And so I felt like that song when I was talking about it, and even the lyrics I'm talking about um, are kind of like that, right? That, that like we lose our innocence once we get into the limelight. So those things that we live and those things we experience are now showcase to the public and but they might not relate to what we're talking about but it just sounds good and so that was the, the message that i wanted to convey with that song in relation to that because we have two main topics here one we mm-hmm. can cover first because we did witness this basically on twitter with ysl getting oh. arrested with, with young thug and gunner and th- th- that kind of just relates to the whole situation that's going on right now yeah yeah it's it's that honestly is one of the weirdest situations ever you know and, and it's almost it's almost embracing, like to 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 hear two of these guys who had, I think, the year before or two years before, they had just bonded out like thirty individuals, you know. So it's crazy that now it's kind of like the roles are reversed, and like who's going to bond them out, right? Because they're the money getters in, in their in their establishments, their company. Um, but we know hip hop police. You know, hip hop <laughs> police has been like that. Hip hop police doesn't play, and I think it would be different if it was just minor charges. Obviously, I don't know if what they're being charged with is allegedly true or, or false. I'm not the one to call it. I'm not a professional. I'm not a criminologist. But I do think that um, you could look at it at two spectrums. It's either the message of, hey, are we still going to continuously entertain this, this language, this discourse of music, which could be used against us in the future? Or we say, nah, we this type of music makes money. We should still keep talking about it. But then we're going to become, you know, we we blindfold ourselves and say, no, they shouldn't be kept accountable. Because the whole situation, if we're just looking at it from Young Thug and Gunna's perspective, then 
you can say we're being selfish to the other perspective and not thinking about what that person's going through, right? So it's just it's 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 just a classic discourse of of, of judgment and, and subjective thinking, and it is unfortunate that it's two individuals who are very influential in the music game, and only God knows what's going to turn out, you know. So I still I wouldn't I don't I would never want to see anyone go to jail. Like I've I have family members, friends that have been to jail, and I see and I know what that does to the mental, you know. And so we're not even going to get into like the whole like mental health thing for Black people, but. Yeah, it's a so I don't know. I hope the whole situation gets sorted out. And I do think justice should be served, but in a way that's actually going to um, give an opportunity to people to, to feel safe and feel able to move on forward. Another situation that I want to bring forth with the song at Limelight, because once you mention once you get that limelight, everything's mm-hmm. put on center stage, which is Pusha T, because what he's been rapping about for years, people Oof. are so critical about it with it's almost dry. He, he he had a kickback with a statement saying, you don't tell Spike Lee to change about what he's writing and all these other people that are out here making a living That's for true. themselves and how they convey their stories. Why can't That's I keep true. going when I'm going? That's true. Dang, that's probably you, man. I've, I've never heard anybody really bring up that take before. And it's true because you'll have artists um, and not to single out Eminem, you know, Eminem made a, made a living off basically attacking different demographics, his own mom to be included, you know, and, and just the, the violence and, and the enticingness of that violence was hyper and people really related to it in a way that's odd because a lot of people are probably not that violent to be able to relate to it. Um, and then you have, you know, some pop singers that, you know, they talk about doing drugs heavily and, and, and rock stars and that's the whole lifestyle right the whole anarchy of being a, a rock star and so like and, and that's why i was saying the whole discussion of, of, of being subjective because it's true um pusha t has been talking about crack cocaine and that's because it's it's his, it's his life you know exactly. like, I, what else is he supposed to rap about other than um maybe the experiences that people around him share and just to say i don't know if this is because i feel like this is going to air i just want to say daytona should have won rap album of the year. That, I'm just going to say that right off the rip. Um, and then, so for me, I would say with him, the the reason why it's easier to for him to be attacked is because, like I was saying, of what's happening in the world around us, in our communities. Um, crack was brought in by the feds. And then it damaged a lot of communities. It damaged a lot of families. And so it's kind of like, when this individual is talking about it, you are kind of glamorizing it in a way. Like you're talking about, if you're sitting there on a track, <laughs> breaking down how to cook crack, how to you know make a key, break down a key, and someone doesn't know what that is, like now they have the knowledge of knowing like, oh, okay, that's that's how you do it. So at the same time, I'm not here to judge Pusha T's lyrics. Um, I would be a, a hypocrite if I said I never sat down and listened to a whole Clips album, to a whole Pusha T verse. And I admire him as an MC and I admire him as an artist and as a rapper. I just do think that as artists, we have to be understanding that once we put our art out there, we're open to criticism and we have to accept that. You know, it's like the vulnerability of it all. And so, again, um, it's a fair statement. Uh, I don't I don't think that he should be I don't think he should be exempt or anybody else that should be exempt that kind of speaks about the same things. Maybe it's a different detriment, but I think that he he he's it's fair for him to feel that way limelight when this releases on monday what do you expect for the traction to take off here how is this going to change your career in a certain way because mm-hmm. not everyone chooses to rap about something serious in which is the black identity yeah. once you make it in the industry how does this change your whole artistry 
I think it, I think it, it changes it um, in the aspect that the song itself, it, it has so many elements that, like, I always want to make music that's like reading a book in the club. You know, like you're, you vibe to it, but then you catch these gems, you hear these things. And I think just because of the state that music is in, even with the situation with, I think, with Young, Young Thug and Gunna, I think the message is going to resonate more. Even with Kendrick Lamar releasing his, his album and the messages and, and the, the content and the themes that he's describing are very similar to what my song is describing, right? And I think, um, I think it's, it, it fits the means and the mental state that a lot of people are in. I think people are more aware, um, are more willing to be aware and more willing to accept it. And to be honest, the traction, I, I don't really have expectations on that because it might not, it could pick up now die a bit pick up again later it could not pick up now pick up later so that part i i just want people to to be able to take the music for what it is and the expectation of of the traction i know it's going to do well and i just don't know what that looks like in terms of uh you know numbers or uh the speed and rotation of how which it goes but i know it's going to do well and i know it's going to resonate with people for sure I know you said that the upcoming album is going to be an exposition of who you are musically, and it's going to be mm-hmm. the, the the combination of your thoughts and experiences. Mm-hmm. Is Limelight going to be just the beginning of the things that you start to talk about and, Absolutely. and go through yeah. life instead of just like party absolutely. tracks and everyone, what everyone else <laughs> is doing out here? Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, and, and Limelight, I, I chose that because Limelight is actually going to be on the deluxe version of my album. And I wanted to put that out first to kind of reverse engineer the whole um, static way of, you know, you put out an album, then you put out a deluxe album. Like I just wanted to put the deluxe album out for, or the version out first. So you kind of get a taste of it. And the funny thing is uh, this entire album is a lot more personal than before because, you know, as artists, we always kind of battle and maybe some don't, but I always battle with, should I say this? Like, it, this is so personal. Should I be vulnerable to the point where I can say that? Um, you know, I have a song on my album, which is a party song, and it just happens to talk about, you know, my dad being an alcoholic, me seeing my dad as an alcoholic, and me having a conversation with him about it, and the fear of me becoming an alcoholic, but it's it's a party song, you know? And so I think the reason why I consider it as an exposition of my thoughts and experiences is it's all the things that I've been internalizing over the last maybe 10, 12 years that I've never had the courage to say because I don't want people to feel offended but that I can't keep internalizing for the rest of my life because then I don't feel like I'm safe in my, my own mind, you know? And so um, Limelight is definitely just like a taste tester to, to see how people respond to it. And then the next song that's coming after that is going to be way different than Limelight, but it's still going to address me as who I am and me and how I identify with myself and how I want uh, the audience to understand how I view myself in comparison to how they view and so, yeah, I'm really excited to, to release that album. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a strong impression on the audience here because it's different and you have something to bring to the table here of importance that's really not conveyed anymore. Mm-hmm. And what are your plans for the summer of 2022 besides the album musically? You're going to release another single because in 2021 was a, a big year for you as far as stream yeah, goes and absolutely. the TikTok campaigns, mm-hmm. making it on the NBA, as you said, in 2020 with the bubble. <laughs> yeah, so... I think uh, these next couple of months, like every month I'm gonna have a song out and a video out. Um, I'm trying to set up where I'm setting up a a couple of shows, a little intimate shows that are more of experiences, um, a capsule where I'm gonna be customizing clothes and selling it. 
And then, you know, I'm just working with my team, um, helping other independent artists with our company uh, and, and just continuously building, man, just, just experiencing and enjoying life. You know, I don't want to overcomplicate myself and build my studio in my house, spend time with my wife um, and just let it all come together in fruition. And, and I think uh, that's how God wants me to do it. And so I'm just excited that I get a chance to connect with people more, you know, like, especially with these COVID restrictions being a lot, um, a lot less demanding than, than before I'll get a chance to kind of, you know, get in and out. And I'm hoping to be able to travel, to go to LA, to go check out some friends out there as well. That would be big time. Just getting out there to perform more and more. I, I know there are some people that you would love to open up for. Kanye West is one of them. And even yes, collaborations sir. with James, yes, <laughs> James Blake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and sometimes I, I try to emulate those guys um, differently. Uh, my biggest fear is to be inspired to the point where I sound like one of them, like these artists that I admire. And so I really want to avoid that. But my goal for sure, you know, is to hopefully one day get Celine Dion to drop some vocals on the track or some and just get a chance to have a conversation with Lupe Fiasco. And so sometimes it's not even related to, you know, just the collaboration of it, but just a moment that I can experience for myself that like I, I love the small wins, you know, and so uh, I'll, I'll take everything I got. And, and this year is going to be a really, really, really good year. And I can feel it. I, I believe it. Adele is another one that you would love to work with. Oh, yes, 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 yes. She has, I'm impressed by her because of her ability to make albums where like you don't want to skip a song, you know, and as a, as a, as a, a rapper and a songwriter, I admire those things. And then obviously, you know, you got guys like Brent Fayez, which is, he's just phenomenal as hell as a, as a songwriter. And so, yeah, the list of, of people that I admire and that I would love to collaborate is long. Um, but I know in due time, all those good things, all those good things will come together. They will. Are you thinking of a creative process already for the Limelight music video? Because I know you're yeah, going to drop well, it. I mean, so in terms, of, in terms of creative process, uh, I think I'm just going to, I have I had an idea of doing something of like releasing a a, uh, a unique product in association with the video and have an auction online to see who wants to purchase it. Um, but I'm also thinking of maybe saving that for a whole separate thing in itself, so I can kind of not try to mix things too much and give people experiences. But um, I also thought about maybe like having a, a little uh, event out here in Montreal, having people come and check it out before it actually drops and drop it the next day. And so we'll see. I, I don't have any um, crazy outlandish ideas, so to speak, but definitely um, something that would help me connect more with my audience and my environment um, before the video drops. With the upcoming album, I'm curious because it's going to be a strong message conveyed throughout it. Have you thought of a name that's going to put just cap everything off? Absolutely. Um, I'm calling the album Endless Summer. Mm. Yeah, so it's just the, um, you know, when you're in summer, Either you want you want something to end so a new chapter can come or you just don't want it to end and you want to be in that moment all the time. And so it's kind of like a cycle. And so my album is a representation of a cycle of the, like I was saying, the exposition of myself when you're in a museum. You start from one point to Z, but then, you know, if you have to get out, you got to go back all the way around to that same entry point. And so that's what my album is going to be like. Um, visually, I'm also working on a short film for the album. I'm going to work on a soundtrack for the film which I'm going to, you know, get in touch with a couple of other artists to, to curate that and have them take part in it as well. And yeah, I'm really excited. I've been working on this album for, I'd say, 
or conceptualizing it for maybe three years, you know? So I have, I have songs that are, that are like a year to two years old that they just resonate so much, you know? And I've never, like the weirdest and strangest thing is always kind of listening to yourself or you know, there's like that egotistic battle there. You don't want to feel like, Oh, it's me, 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 me. But, um, I have songs that make me cry, you know, and I'm just like, wow, like these songs are very powerful. And it's like rereading a journal or a picture of someone you love who passed away and you're just kind of having those, those memories. And I'm really happy that I get to go back and a song that's like two years old, I was still thinking the same way that I am now. And that, that brings a lot of joy to me. It makes me feel like I haven't changed my alignment and what I think is righteous and what I think I need to do. And the truth is, it's possible that some people might not like that because that's not where they're at, you know, but my job isn't to, to convince people of, of doing something. It's to present what I can as an open discussion for them to be able to understand me and for me to understand them. Um, and, and that's, that's the most important part for me. I want my music to, to be relatable. I think something that would be important is to hear about you being the CEO and creating your own entertainment label, X10 yeah. entertainment. Yeah. So, uh, I want to say like seven to eight years ago, or maybe 10, um, myself, my manager, Troy Harmon, um, my agent, Sean Thomas, and uh, my good friend, Remy Harris, as well as uh, Akash Maliki. I just have to shout them out because I love these guys so much. Um, yeah, we, we incorporated the Excellent Company, which started off just as a lifestyle brand. Um, in university, I, do, I used to do shows and I lived with these, uh, with eight different dudes and it's like, big 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 house and we used to throw parties we used to you know have these social events and we just all came from different facets of life and so we used that as a model for how we wanted to be known or um, communicated with in school and then you know after school I just said yeah I want to have my own brand and so I kind of decided to to take that and these guys that that came along with me have just helped me build it really really well and so now, you know, we had the opportunity to, to have a joint venture with Coalition, which is a music um, incubator in, in Canada. And then we kind of uh, flourished to become our own thing as well. And we've been helping out other, other artists. We had a chance to work with different organizations, doing some facilitating um, and teaching different aspects of the music industry, including Chantilly, who took part in those as well. And it's just been phenomenal. Like, we really want to be a hub for our community, an agency that we don't want to take advantage of artists. We want to uplift them and give them the tools to be able to be successful entrepreneurs for themselves so that they can plant those same seeds um, elsewhere and kind of nourish that, um, that understanding of that foundation. And we strive a lot on integrity and principles. And so our company has been referred to, referred by, and it's really cool to, to see where we're at. So we're just hoping to accomplish more things, you know, whether it's giving jobs to people in our community, um, opening festivals, having small tours where we can have people come through. And so, yeah, so, uh, you know, sky's the limit. And I'm very excited that we're, we're still strong now, so early in our establishment. If, and congratulations on everything that you've achieved thus far and, and being able to network because you eventually get the distribution deal under Coalition sure. Music and Warner Music Canada. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was really cool. I, 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 I never wanted to sign a record deal because I... <laughs> I know the, the in and outs and the pros and cons, but to have that opportunity was really cool. And, and I thank them a lot for, for doing their best, you know, trying to, to work with me and stuff. And I wish I was able to communicate to, to like basically socialize with more people in the office, but like being away for so long was, was really difficult. And so that experience was really good. And, and I really thank everyone that was there 
Uh, and it gave me a taste of what, you know, what distribution can do for an artist um, opposed, as opposed to, oh, I want to sign a deal, you know? And so now where I'm at, I'm just looking for more uh, partnership-based um, relationships rather than just feeling like I, I don't want to just hand my work into someone and feel like they have to work it, right? I want to be able to sit in an office with someone and talk with someone, hear the criticism. And so props to them for sure, because that, that was a really good and like growing experience. When first starting out, was there a certain artist from Canada that inspired you as far as their journey and making it and making it to the mainstream? Yes, sir. My boy Chaos, man. Automatic hip hop legend, pioneer. And I don't know if you guess the roses that he deserves, but that guy, his flow, the image, the content, the the singing ability, he he's just phenomenal. He's definitely the first artist um, that that really motivated me to want to rap in Canada for sure. What are your thoughts on the overall hip hop scene in Canada now? How it's grown from when you first started, and where do you see it heading next? Because it's it's taken over. It is. It is. It's tough. It's tough to describe in terms of other than you know it's skyrocketing and it becoming, I believe that I don't like, obviously I can't say it'll be like a Mecca, like New York, but I do believe that is going to be part of that conglomerate of cities. Like, you know, um, LA, New York, um, Atlanta. I think I, Atlanta first Atlanta, they came out of nowhere for real. <laughs> and, and I think Toronto is going to be part of that um, for the, obviously for the simple fact that, you know, we have big artists like Drake that are, are associated to, to the city uh, guys like the weekend. Um, and, and, you know, guys like Tory Lanez. And then you have these other artists too. Like, I, I think for now, at this point, um, because street rap, you know, and street music is so prevalent that that's what gets highlighted. But there's a lot of dope artists out there in the city that haven't yet gotten that, no pun intended, limelight to basically be on that stage. You know, there's like a female artists like Charmaine, who's killing it. She just won a Juno. You have that's Lex right. Leosis. You got Nate Husser that's out here in Montreal, Chris's Spirit that's out in Montreal, uh, myself, Dylan Ponders, uh, Devontae Woe. Like I could name like a whole list of individuals, you know, and Dylan St. Clair. Uh, so there's a lot of artists. It's just, it, it's normal. It happens like in, in, in hip hop and in the music industry. Um, what's always popping is always going to get that steam. And so it's just about uh, the other artists and their alternative genres to kind of uplift that so for me i'm doing my job in that aspect and there's a lot of other artists that are doing their job in that aspect as well oh yeah and hawaii might it too i can't forget her too oh yeah you so can't forget about her i can't forget her yeah. yeah and so i think yeah i think a lot of us are leaders are leaders of, of of a wave that just hasn't been um you know the the surfboard hasn't been cracked in the ocean yet and so our job is to just keep doing that and the fact that um there's people in the city that are getting that love that in our different genre it's gonna all it's gonna do is just build it up more, you know. And the fact that like Rolling Loud, for example, is gonna be in Toronto, that's a huge thing, you know. So um I think the sky's the limit. I think that um blogs, um, music platforms just have to keep their eye open for the different genres of music that are around, the different sounds of music. But I can never hate on on where the city's going at. I just I just think the city just needs a lot more love. That's it. And, and it will. Are you a big Blue Jays fan? I'm not. I'm not gonna lie to you, man. I was when I was I was when I was young, and then I started playing baseball in high school, and I just thought I just started really not liking baseball. <laughs> yeah, it was it was like a very weird relationship because I wasn't good, and then I was just like, ah, I I hate this sport. Yeah, so I'm not I'm not a huge Blue Jays fan. I can't lie. Raptors. 
Yeah, yeah. Actually, I like I. I don't know if I'm rather than an appreciator and uh, yeah, I'm more of an appreciator of the Raptors. I don't have a favorite basketball team anymore. Uh, you know, sending love to the to the late Kobe Bryant. I was a huge Lakers fan because of Kobe, but um, I'm very I'm very thankful that I'm I'm I was part I was alive during a moment where the city finally got their just due, you know, and they have a lot of young guys that are gonna um, assess themselves and assert themselves like young Barnes, like very impressive young man. And I just think they need that veteran leadership that, that they lost when Kyle Lowry left. Um, but I feel like, you know, Van Vliet is, is someone who can do that. I think Pascal, um, just has to, you know, with all the respect to his game, kind of just have a little bit more versatility, you know, other than like in and out spin left from the baseline to the center. I think it's like guys are catching onto it. Um, but Messiah is a genius, and so I know he's he's got something planned, and they're going to figure it out. And Nick Nurse is a great coach too, so I think it, it'll it'll get sorted out. I wish you guys kept DeRozan. <laughs> he's having <laughs> a monster I, year for the Bulls. You know what? I'll tell you the truth. My my question would be: Does DeRozan have a crazy year like that if he doesn't get traded? Because people get motivated by certain things, right? Like for for because I think it's unfortunate for sure. But like for DeRozan to, to be traded, I think there's definitely that heartbreaking aspect and that revenge aspect. Like if you look at the games he had against Toronto when he got traded, like he was killing these dudes, like killing them, you know? And then, but then would we want to take away that and then say we wouldn't want the championship or Kawhi, you know? I just think the return on investment was worth it, but the longevity wasn't, you know? For, for Kawhi to win a championship and not come back definitely hurt the franchise. And then you look at, um, I think, I personally believe DeRozan is going to have more opportunities going to the playoffs than the Raptors are, maybe in the next two, three years. But I'm not going to count the Raptors out. You know, free agency always has an opportunity to do something great. Um, they usually, they typically have great draft picks, especially since the, like, um, I keep forgetting was the, since the Chris Bosch class. Um, well, then Bargnani wasn't really the, the best investment, but either way. <laughs> so, so we'll see. Like, I, I like to, I like to personally believe that, um, anything is possible, you know, and, and I, I just want to see, I definitely want DeRozan to succeed a lot. I was rooting for them to win the Eastern conference championship, but you know, they ran into to my African brother Giannis and to, to tough, it's a tough, it's a tough uh, buck to get over. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, no, but I'm wishing the best here to the, the Raptors. I think they're going to get back in here eventually. And, you know, t- Toronto's on the rise here. But, Patrick, is there anything else you would love to let the audience know and your listeners know? Limelight comes out this Monday. Anything besides that and everything that we covered? Yeah, man. Um, I want to shout out, you know, DJ Mad Max, the place to be. Thank you so much for for the time and, and just having me here. It means a lot to me. I want to thank Chantilly Post. Yeah, thank you to um, Chantilly. Yep. So much. I want to thank Excellent Entertainment, Believe Music Distribution, and follow me on Instagram, social media, all that good stuff at X10PK, you know, X10PK, and connect with me. I like I like to 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 meet different people, hear what people are doing, and uh, the ego is not there to stop me from doing that. And so, thank you for listening. Thank you for giving me a chance and giving my music a chance as well. That's right. And Chantilly, thank you for setting this all up. I'll make sure to send you all the clips. We're going to get this promoted for the upcoming single, Limelight. Make sure you check them out. Follow them on Instagram and Twitter, every social platform. Are you on TikTok as well? Yes, sir. Same thing, XMPK, everything. There you go. Make sure you check them out. Patrick, I want to thank you again for coming on the show here today. I'm looking forward to the upcoming album. Big things are on the way here. This is going to be a name to recognize for years to come for sure. 
I appreciate it. I might send you a, a private link with some of the, the songs on the album just to get it, just to get your, your critique and stuff. Oh, for sure. I, I love that. I would appreciate it. I'll, I'll definitely give it a listen, man. Thank you for everything that you're doing Sick. for hip hop out there. Keep grinding. Your time is now, man. I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much again. You too, man. Peace out. Enjoy the rest of your day. All right. You too, man. Peace out, man.